You are listening to the official podcast for ICGC Calvary Temple, Teen Chapel. Be blessed as you listen to life-changing messages by seasoned men and women of God. Adoration. It's not him who wills, nor him who runs. But it's you, O Lord, who shows us mercy. Hala maza shete bele Hala maza shete bele You are not competent in yourself to claim anything for yourself, but our competence comes from God. Refuse to take the credit and the glory due you and give it to God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hala maza shete bele In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, right now, let's commit the service into God's hands. Let's pray that He will take over our mind. He will take over our heart. He will take over our motive and reason for doing the things for which we do. That everything we do here will be genuine. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we beckon on your grace. We beckon on your ability take over spirit of the living God as you move and brood upon the surface of the waters move and brood in us in the mighty name of Jesus let there be light let there be illumination in the mighty name of Jesus let the let distractions be overridden in the mighty name of Jesus let confusion be lifted in the name of Jesus as you move and brood in us father in the name of Jesus let anxiety let depression
we have forgotten how to praise God or we left our praise at home this morning what's happened to us this morning did we leave our praise at home or did we didn't even start the day at all with praise whether you did or not whether you like it or not Jesus has conquered Jesus is the victor and he will give us victory whether you believe it or not the scripture says so he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And because I have overcome the you too will overcome. If you believe that, why not lift up your voice and give a shout unto the Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus has conquered. He is the victor. He is victorious. And so the service says, shout unto the Lord with a shout of triumph. We have the victory in the name of Jesus. I said we have the victory in the name of Jesus. Many years ago, somebody stood up somewhere and declared that Ghana, your beloved country, is free forever. Whether we are free forever or not, we don't know. With all the confusion in politics, all the confusion all over us, with all the economic hardships and all that, 
with all the uncertainties of the results of the BEC, in the midst of all this, Jesus is still conqueror. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Ayaka, all power belongs to Jesus. All power belongs to Jesus. All power belongs to Jesus. I believe that with all my heart, that no matter what happens, God remains God. And all power belongs to him. And so we have the victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. So don't ever be down. If you are down, remember that Jesus won the victory on the cross many, many years ago. And yours is the victory. His is the victory. The world may appear to be winning now, but it's only temporary. His is the final victory. And we are all on the winning side. Hallelujah. Amen. I told you that I'll be teaching you some uh, old songs. And uh, this morning I want to take us through one of them. It's not really an old song. It is an old song, but there's been a lot of remixes lately. So many of us are used to the new version. So the version I'm going to take you through is more like the old version and then remix all mixed together. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to pray. Who can tell what God can pray for us? got it mixed up but it's all right um, we'll move on these are the old slide this is the old version you didn't do the remix version my presentation is still the old slide. Alright, let's let's move us. Alright. Um, just keep it on. We'll, we'll manage a bit. Okay. Thank you very much, choir. Okay. Um, last week, somebody asked me a question. So, I want to attempt to answer the question this morning. Um, please don't project the scriptures and we'll just read it. It's in the new slides. Somebody has asked me a question. I, I hope you are here to li listen to the answer. Don't come and ask me again after this. Because this is a question we have heard over and over again. And we've attempted to answer it several times. But it always keeps coming up. When we read... Okay, let's read from um, Genesis chapter 5. Write it down later on. You can read it for yourself to clear your mind about certain issues. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his own image and named him Seth. 
After he begot said, the days of Adam were 180 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and then he died. Amen. The question I was asked, and the question which always keeps coming up, we all know the story of um, Abel and Cain, and how um, Abel brought a good sacrifice. Cain brought a sacrifice that was not pleasing to God, so God made a pronouncement upon him. And um, the Bible says Cain went, and then he knew his wife. He, his wife got pregnant. So the question is, if Cain was banned from um, wherever he was, and there were no other, the mic is still, the sound is still not okay. And there were not other people around. Where did Cain get his wife from? In Genesis chapter 5 that we just read, do we hear about Abel and Cain? Did we see Abel and Cain in Genesis chapter 5? Hey, come on, are you with me? My Bible, my life. Did you see Abel and Cain in Genesis chapter 5? But the book, the chapter, verse, uh, chapter 5 of Genesis is talking about the genealogy of Adam. And the first children that he bore, recorded earlier, was Abel and Cain. So why is Abel and Cain not in Genesis chapter 5? If you go to Genesis chapter 4, and we read the story of what happened. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and he conceived, she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit from the ground. And Abel also brought the first flock, the firstborn of his flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. You know the rest of the story. If you don't, please read on because I'm going to jump. And then when we come to um, verse 12, maybe from verse um, 10, and God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I, than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Now, there are several questions that come up. What did God tell Cain? God told Cain, apart from the fact that the ground would not yield to you, you struggle before you bear fruit. Incidentally, if you read earlier on in Genesis chapter 3, God had pronounced a certain case on all mankind that out of the, twel the toil of our sweat we eat. And when it came to Cain, there was even a further curse that was pronounced. He was a tiller of the ground, was a farmer. And he says, you're farming and you will struggle more. And then Cain said, I will be a fugitive and a vagabond. Do you know what a fugitive is? 
Come on, you've been watching foods. You know what a fugitive is. Or you've done some small English. A fugitive is somebody who has escaped from prison. In simple terms. A vagabond is somebody who has no home. He just hops from place to place, moves from one place to another place. Now, another question that is not often asked, but I ask such questions. At what age do you think Abel and Cain brought their offering to God? Did they bring their offering as children, as teenagers, or as adults? Was Abel married or was he unmarried? Was Cain married or was he not married? If you have not asked such questions before, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. Think about it. If you read Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Genesis chapter 5, there's no mention of Adam and Eve giving birth to a woman. That is the culture of the Bible. Normally, when uh, genealogists are being defined, they are defined by the men. The women that are born are not always mentioned. Sometimes they are mentioned for specific things that they have done or if they want to bring about the complete genealogy. But if you see from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to chapter 5, we don't hear of any woman. We don't know whether Abel was even married or not at the time that he, made his, he brought his offering. And in those days, there was no other woman anyway except the children of Adam and Eve. They were the only human beings on earth. So it was obvious that the children of Adam married themselves. So whether Cain married um, a woman that um, the father and mother had given birth to earlier on, or maybe even uh, Abel's uh, the daughter, we don't know. It's not clear. It's not clear at all from Scripture. But what is also not clear is, and what is very certain that Cain did not go and marry another woman somewhere that God had not created. It is the worldly philosophy that is being pushed into the Bible because they don't, they don't want to read the entire Bible. That is why we are having this Bible challenge. Read the Bible, discover the Bible for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit difficult questions that you don't understand. You think their questions are difficult to you, but to the Holy Spirit, they are not difficult. They are answers. And he will give us revelation and understanding. I, have, I hope I have thrown a little more light, or maybe I have even brought, your mind, I brought more confusion into your mind. Whichever it is, that is scripture for you. But I can tell you that Cain, whenever he married, whoever he married must have come from the loins of Possibly Adam and Eve. So, I hope I cleared your, your thoughts a little. Let's move on to today's um, uh, presentation. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Shall we say it together? Ready? Go. You can hide behind the mask. I can come to you at any moment. So, don't hide behind the mask. Ready? Go. I didn't say read it. I said let's quote it. Last week I gave it to us as a memory verse, didn't I? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. My friend, 
What did you see in your Bible? What did you see in your Bible? Tell us what you saw. You're still looking for it. Are you doing your Bible challenge? Look at him. I'm talking to you. Are you doing your Bible challenge? What was the last Bible verse you read? When did you read it? Please come and give me a mic. You read it last week. Last week when? Last week when? I need a lot of time to do it. I've taken plenty of my time already. But sometimes I need to do this. Last week when? Uh, Monday. Eh? Monday. Monday. Read it on Monday. Last week, Monday. Tuesday, no Bible. Wednesday, no Bible. Thursday, no Bible. Friday, no Bible. Saturday, no Bible. This morning, no Bible. Did you do a quiet time the whole of this week? No. No. Were you in church last week? Yes. Yes. Tell me one thing you learned from last week. Anything that you learned, you remember that I said last week. That meant something, not just something I said, but something that you learned. Rien. Do you like football? Do you like football? You like fo- are you sure you like football? Oh, you don't know whether you are sure. Are you sure or not? Do you like football? Okay, he wants to be left alone. Leave him alone. I wanted to help you. You see, sometimes when I do this, is I don't. It's not my intention is not to embarrass people. Though. Those of you who don't like me doing this, I know. Let me tell you this. Now I'm digressing completely. I know people who did, didn't like me doing this, but later on they came to thank me for doing this to them. And you know the reason why. What I did to them brought their minds to certain things. They learned certain things. And it even affected their academic life. From below average students, they became above, way above average students. You see, when I do things like this, I'm even, if you are young people, most all of you are students. You are career students, full-time students. And for the next few years of your life, all you will be doing is studying. And you need to know how to study properly. Some of us fail our lessons or don't do well, not because we are not intelligent, because we don't know how to study. And some of us simply refuse to study. If you don't study, how can you know? And the uncle Bijou will come and tell you that the God of miracles, he, he works wonders. The one is time for essence, you haven't studied, you haven't learned, you haven't done anything. Oh God, I need a miracle. There will be no miracle. Did you hear me? You have to learn the skills of studying. Some of us study by listening. Some of us study by reading. Some of us study by using illustrations and examples. Figurative images to remember the things that are being taught. 
You need to understand how you study. And then actually do the study. Your parents cannot do the studying for you. Don't blame examiners when you get your results and your results are not good. Blame yourself. I've had excellent grades in life. I've had, had very poor grades. I have failed exams before. I bounce back. And I always like to teach people how to bounce back when they have made mistakes. So when I embarrass you a little or you feel embarrassed, it's for your own good, okay? And any others that I may do it to, I don't know whether I'll do it again to anybody this morning. But the scripture says how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power. Went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil for God was with him. My friend, what is your name? Please, let the mic come back. What is your name? Philip. Felix. Philip. Philip. Uncle Philip. Your name's sick. Why did I say last week that we are studying demons? Why are we studying about demons? You don't remember? As the lady behind him. Why did you say we are studying demons? Hmm. You are shocked. You didn't expect it to come to you. You thought it was only him. I talk now. If you want to speak, go and chew anything, English, whatever. Pigeon, you, all, you understand. Why are we studying about demons? I don't understand. This is not your first time in church, are you? You were in church last week. No. Hmm. Who is her friend? Who is her friend? My brother is here. Who? Who is her friend? Why are you putting to Are you why you try shy? Go and ask him. Why did he say we are studying about demons? Okay. Um so I remember that you said something about the that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but the spirit. And then as the great commission says that we should go out. He would say, cast out demons. So we must study about demons since we are going to cast out demons since the Great Commission says that. Okay. Is she your friend? Yes, please. You brought her to church? Yes. Is this is the first time? No. Was she in church last week? Yes, please. Hey, your friend has betrayed you. <laughs> All right. So if God has... <laughs> If God has given us a commission to go and tell other people about Jesus Christ. By the way, how many of us talked to somebody about Jesus Christ this week? Only one, two. Okay. All right. Facilitators, whether we like it or not, very soon we shall start Bible studies. We will do Bible studies. We'll break up into small groups, and now you cannot run away. You think that it is only um, Philip. It's not only Philip. Everybody will have to answer. And those who don't answer well, you come and stand here and you preach. I will make you preach. Some of you, you are, you are too shy. You have to overcome your shyness. 
When I tell you that I was shy many years ago, you don't believe me. You have taken two, taking about 10 minutes of my time already. So let's go, move on. Acts chapter 10, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. Don't read it. Don't open. You are quoting. It's a memory verse. It's, it's, it's a shame. I'm going to report all of it to Uncle Seth. Yesterday I was having a chat with Uncle Seth. And your, your genius, those who have been prepared to come to Teen Chapel, they are learning 100 verses before they come here. 100 verses this year. You The whole of this year, you haven't learned one memory verse. And you claim that you are from Uncle Seth's class. Shame on you. I'm going to report to, you, uh, to Uncle Seth. You must know the scriptures. The scripture must be your life. Look, listen, if the scripture is not your life, eh, when you begin to grow up and begin to face the realities of life, and there are plenty of realities too. Right now, some of you are only challenges with boys and girls and how to study. And you think that it's so much headache for you. You wait. Until you start working, then you'll be happy. You receive your first pay and you'll be happy. And your second pay is as if your pay has been reduced. But the third pay is as if your pay has been, have been halved. But your fourth pay, one week, and your pay is finished. And there'll be no pocket money coming to the end of the month. Then you're going to find yourself a wife or you're going to marry a husband. The husband will look after me. Yo. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Some of us don't believe this. I know. Because when I was a young Christian, I read it, but I didn't believe it. I was actually practically afraid of demons. I was afraid of witchcraft. How did I overcome that? And many people also used to be afraid of demons, witchcraft, occult powers, juju powers, all kinds of powers which have their roots in the devil. There is no other way to get rid of your fear Except by the word of God. It's only when you read the word and you digest the word and you obey the word and, and, and you, you know that the word is God's word and you begin to act on it. That is the only way you overcome your fears. And that is the only way you cannot talk to other people boldly and confidently about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether they are apostles. It doesn't matter whether they have their doctorate. It doesn't matter whether they have money. You have something that they don't have. And you have come to believe the thing that you have. The power in the name of Jesus. But if you don't read the word, how would you know? How can you tell? How can you live this life? Philip, next week, you must finish reading the book of Acts. Yeah? You do it. If I forget to ask you, remind me to ask you. Whether you are seated here, or you are seated there, or you are seated over there, 
if you don't remind me, Uncle Philip will remind me because of your name. Okay? And you too. What is your name? Grace. Grace. My sister's name. And you're lying to me too. You came to church. You said you didn't come to church. Anyway, so Jesus says that he saw Satan fall and Satan has fallen. Don't be afraid of the devil when you believe in Jesus. He gives us power over all the power of the evil one. We shall walk on serpents, on scorpions. Nothing will hurt us. Nothing. 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 Today, I hope I'll be able to finish this so we can have some more practical discussions on this. But when Adam and Eve went against God, you know, God had very good plans for Adam and Eve. He created them in his own image. Gave them authority. Gave them dominion over the earth. Gave them all the pleasures of life. You know, they didn't have to go to school to learn. The knowledge just came because we were created in the image of God. They knew. God gave them responsibilities. And they were to leave out those responsibilities and just simply enjoy what God had given them. But they disobeyed God. And because they disobeyed God and they chose to obey the devil, God left them into the hands of the devil. And that is the beginning of the fear of the devil. God cursed them. They took on another nature which they didn't have. The sinful nature. The nature of the flesh. And God said, they will die. God did not create man to die. God created man to be with him forever. But because of sin, God pronounced this judgment on them that they will die. They died spiritually. They were separated from God and they also died physically. And because of that, up to today, when we think about physical death, we are so unsure about a lot of things until we get revelation and understanding into what God has in mind, what death really means, how it is the beginning of a transition into another kind of life. If we have Jesus, if we don't have Jesus, what awaits you is a dreadful dread. The punishment that God gave to Satan because Satan rebelled against him in heaven, when you don't accept Jesus Christ, when you, you don't confess your sin, when you don't confess your sin of rebellion to God, what happens to you is that you join with Satan in the condemnation that God had given him. You are headed for hell when you die. And there's no opportunity for you to come out of it. This is the reason why this is the time to make up your mind to follow Jesus. Get to know him. That you have a hope of resurrection. A hope of living with him for all eternity. And when you get to know this truth, you must tell everybody because that is the reason why you are still alive. The devil knew God's mind for Adam and Eve and for the rest of mankind. So he set out a plan to destroy God's plan. I sent out a video and um, a link out to us 
on the Zbot this week. How many of you saw it? Let me see by hand. I want to see how our WhatsApp system is working. If you saw it, raise your hand. Whether you read it or not, just lift up if you saw it. If you saw it, you know that you saw it. If you don't know it, you didn't see it. Please stand up. I want, to, I want to be sure of some numbers. I won't ask you any question. Just stand up very quickly. Please hurry up. Okay, sit down. All those who are in some WhatsApp groups in this church, please stand up. Let me see. You are in a WhatsApp group. In a WhatsApp group in the church. Stand up. So more, more than half of, it, of us are not. Okay. No, before you sit down. Do I blame the facilitators or do I blame you? Or both? Somebody is trying to check the phone. I like that. How many of you have data on your phones? Those of you standing. I still don't understand the dynamics. Maybe we'll look at this more in detail when we break up into uh, our small groups. Okay, take your seats. The video is too long, so I don't want to show it today. Already it's 8.15. Um, but I'll summarize very briefly. It's about scientists that have made a robot. And this robot, are you listening to me? Are you talking? This robot has the ability to reproduce itself. So it's like the robots, in quotes, have the ability to give birth. And now they are taking this robotics to the next stage where they want to get human faces. They are looking for human faces. And I know a lot of Ghanaians are going to uh, volunteer. <laughs> this is not laughing matter. Because they will pay you $200,000 to volunteer your face. And they will use your face on the robot. And then that robot can reproduce itself. So you, you have many versions of yourself roaming the world doing all kinds of things in your name because they have your face. Do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Some of you don't, I know. But that is where the world is going. All this is part of the devil's grand plan to destroy the work of God. That's why you must be serious about telling others about Jesus. The scientists will try all kinds of things and they will achieve all kinds of things, but the only thing they will not be able to do is to give life. They cannot breathe into anything and that will become a living being. But one of these days, I said one of these days is going to happen. You see, you, you, because you don't read your scriptures, you haven't read what I've asked you to. How many of you believe what I just said? Oh, I'm coming to ask you a question. 
Ah, all the hands have gone down. How many of you believe and are ready to answer my question? Stan, you don't know whether the hand is going up and down. When you go home, for those of you who haven't read it, go and read Revelation chapter 13. No, 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 just write it down. Go and read it. Especially from verse 11 downwards. It talks about the end times. There are two beasts that are going to arise. One beast will rise up from the sea. The other beast will rise up from the land. And then the beast that arose from the sea will give a command that an image of the beast should be made. And the second beast will breathe into that image and that image becomes a living being. We are reading Revelation. Don't ask me any questions about that. I don't answer any questions because myself I don't understand. But all I'm trying to tell you is that the devil has a strategic global plan to fight against God. He will not succeed anyway. And this he started many years ago. It started in the Garden of Eden. He got Adam and he got Eve. Genesis chapter 6. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. This is one of the scriptures that is difficult to understand if you don't take your time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. How many of you have read or heard about this scripture? I'm sure all of us. The Bible says the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Why did the scripture talk about the sons of God and the daughters of men? Why did it say the sons of God and the daughters of God? Or why did it say the, the, the sons of men and the daughters of, uh, of men? There was a demonic invasion of the world. The demonic realm took on flesh. And they slept with women. You guys who go about sleeping with women. One day you go and sleep with something you see. <laughs> right now what I'm saying doesn't make sense. But I hope at the end of the service when we look at other scriptures, it will begin to make sense. But for now, just, just listen. If you are confused, remain in your confusion. I'll take you out of your confusion very soon. And the Lord was angry and said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came down to the daughters of men and the bore children of them, those were mighty men who were of old men of renown. Now, these were special giants. They were not human giants. In fact, when you read uh, the, the Hebrew language, you talk, they have various descriptions that are given to them. And there are various myths as well about this generation and these times. Did the angels have sex with women on this earth? I don't know. Did these spirits possess men who has sex with women on this earth and produce supernatural human beings? I don't know. Don't ask me. But what is clear is that the sons of God and the daughters of men, they produced something which was not ordinary human and made God angry. 
Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent and thoughts of his heart was evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieving his heart. Look, these things were not necessarily the work of men, but they were the work of men through demonic and fallen angelic spirits to the extent that they vexed God. And God was angry. And as you all know, that was the reason why the first flood came. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. Now listen. For those of you who have been listening, those of you who are following, we talked about the pre-Adamic age and how something happened. God got angry he shut off the sun, plunging the earth into the ice age. Something terrible must have happened. Scripture is very silent on that. Jesus Christ was silent on that when he was on earth. It only takes revelation to understand what happened. It took revelation for some of these prophets to write it in Isaiah and Ezekiel for us to read. And if it takes the revelation of the Spirit of God for us to see it and to understand it. Why God choose, chose that way, I don't clearly understand. Just like how, even though this is explicitly written in the scriptures about what happened in the days of Noah, the exact thing that happened is not very clear. So the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to be bothered about the finite details, but just to be warned that we don't joke with God's anger. So while it is time for us to repent, let us take advantage of it and reconcile to God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. For this, again, talking about the same experience. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, talking about what happened in Genesis, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Talking about what happened in the days of Noah. So he said that it is by the word of God that the heavens existed and the earth existed. The earth that stood out of water, like what happened in Genesis. That earth that we knew it, or we knew it from history, from the Bible, was destroyed. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by that same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment. Heaven and earth are going to be burnt with fire, according to Peter. And the perdition of ungodly men, my beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. If you don't believe it, I'm telling you from Scripture. I'm showing you from, I'm not telling, I'm showing you from Scripture. that heaven and earth will be burnt. When I was sharing with you about two or so weeks ago, I told you about the different heavens. And I said that I don't believe that the heaven where God dwells will also be destroyed. Because there was nothing sinful about that. But the other heavens will be destroyed. That is my understanding of the scripture. If you don't understand it that way, just know that the Bible says that heaven will be destroyed. How, which one, you don't know. It's all right. But just know that to be destroyed and be wise. 
stay close to Jesus and tell other people about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Have the same love, being of love in one accord and of one mind. That is the prayer of the apostles. That is my prayer for us. Be of one mind. Learn to understand the love of God. Love God. Love your fellow human beings. Love mankind and talk to them about Jesus. More like a summary of all that God is trying to tell us through the apostles. Let nothing be done out of self-ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let us esteem each other better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of other people. That is why you must tell them about Jesus. You are happy you are going to heaven. Your friend is not going to heaven. You are happy. Think about them. Look not only on your own interests, but on the interests of other people. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider his robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Those in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. There are names in heaven. There are names and authorities on the earth. And beyond that, in the world that we don't see, there are names and authorities beneath the earth. But at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee, wherever their name, will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. Listen, friends. This hell we talk about, it is real. I was surprised when I was preparing for this message, I decided to look out for different definitions of hell from many different perspectives, spiritual perspectives, secular and worldly perspectives. And I was shocked at some of the understandings of hell. There are many people who don't believe that hell exists. I hope there's nobody in this place who doesn't believe that hell exists. Friends, hell is real. And don't be deceived. Some people say that it is outside the nature of God to condemn human beings to hell. It's out of character with God. He has done it before. And he will do it again. I said, God has condemned people to hell before. And he will do it again. Hell is mentioned as many as 162 times in the New Testament alone. I don't want to go to the Old Testament because the Old Testament, sometimes people get it confused. And many people of the world get it confused because at that time, a lot of the understanding of hell had to do with our cultural understanding because there were a lot of things that we did not know and we did not understand. When I say we, I'm talking of mankind. 
except by revelation, people of the Old Testament couldn't understand a lot of things. But hell is real. Seventy times Jesus makes reference to hell. Jesus himself mentioned hell as many as 17 times. And we see Jesus primarily in the Gospels. Just in the Gospels, Jesus talked about hell 70 times. Beloved, I tell you, hell is real. Now, there are different types of hells. Sheol or Hades. Sheol is a Hebrew word for hell. And Hades is a Greek word for hell. It is defined as the home of wicked people. Like I said, in the Old Testament, some of the understanding is a little obscured or not too clear. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 22, for a fire is kindled by my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Moses in Deuteronomy is talking about the lowest hell. What does that tell us? There is the highest hell. There are chambers in hell. That should not concern us. What should concern is that hell is real. It's a physical place. Just like earth is a physical place. The English word, the word translated in English as hell is shoal and hades. So sometimes when you read in your Bible, in your scriptures, hell, it's difficult to tell the difference unless you do some further studies, you get some concordances and dictionaries to understand where is, what exactly is being talked about. In Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 10, I said in the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. Clearly, the, the, the prophet is talking about a certain life being cut short. I'm deprived by, of the remainder of my years. How will God cut your years off? It has to be demonic. Job 21 says, They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Look, friends, those of you in Catholic schools that you are being indoctrinated, there's nothing like purgatory. There's no transition between earth and heaven. It is appointed unto man once to die, and you die judgment. Period. You see, uh, okay, one minute digression. The process we go through when somebody dies. And then we wait for some time and I prepare, get money, buy coffin, buy dress, go and buy Fanta, buy pastries, cook jollof, buy chicken, uh, do all that. Then we come to church, we bring the coffin, then we all sit down solemnly. Uh, then finally, when the coffin is gone, then we are waving the coffin as bye bye. The person is already gone. Judgment has already taken place. That is not the time that something happens. It is appointed unto man once to die, immediately you die judgment. There's no second chance. 
And there's no purgatory. Purgatory is a a, a thought and perceptions of human beings. Since God cannot take you to hell, he has to take you to a place and prepare you, purify you until you are ready before you can enter into heaven. And by the way, when we die, not all of us will go to heaven. Not every human being will go to heaven. If every human being will go to heaven, why did Jesus die? There's no need for him to die. If you are all going to go to heaven, why should Jesus die? But the Son of Man, the Word of God became human. He took on flesh and lived on this earth as a human being, taught us how to live the righteous life. And he laid down his life. He said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to lift it up. And he died in my place. He died in your place. He bore the pain, the penalty of death on our behalf that we might not die. That is why when you reject him, there's no option again for you but than to be condemned with the devil to hell. Luke chapter 16. The Bible talks about that guy who was in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. We know the story, don't we? That poor beggar and a rich man. The rich man ended up in hell. And while he was in hell, and this is a story that Jesus himself told you. This one is not a parable because Jesus mentions specific names. It says, it's only the rich man that didn't mention his name. I don't know why Jesus didn't mention the rich man's name. The rich man died and he was in pain. He was suffering. He was thirsty. But no water. He was burning and thirsty. He won't die. And his quench also could not be quenched. His thirst could not be quenched. And in the midst of all that pain, he looked up and saw Lazarus. Lazarus was not in pain. He was in Abraham's bosom and he appeared to be happy. And he looked at himself and said, what is this? Please send somebody to go and tell my brothers so that they don't come here. Jesus said, it doesn't work like that. You are alive. You are privileged to be born again. Tell other people now. You will not tell them. You want to go to heaven and cry that you had the opportunity to tell your best friend about Jesus. You had the opportunity to tell your mother about Jesus and you didn't and your mother died in her sin and she went to hell and you are in heaven. Then there's what you refer to as paradise. It's an Old Testament. Um, okay, I don't even know what word to use. Paradise is the same as Abraham's bosom. We I just summarized the story of the Lazarus and the rich man. If you want to read it in more detail, if you haven't read it yet, you'll find it in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. Jesus himself told this story. And you can count on Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 14, 
we read a strange scripture. It's the Old Testament, but Isaiah saw, and he says, hell has enlarged itself. How can hell enlarge itself? Some of these spirituals, we can't clearly understand. But this must have happened. And this is my interpretation of scripture. You can accept it or not accept it because it's not clearly stated. If you read in Matthew chapter 27, there are some strange things which happen after Jesus Christ resurrected. Incidentally, this account is only shown in the book of Matthew. It is not shown in any other account. I have a lot of questions about it. I don't know how it happened. But the Bible says when Jesus Christ resurrected, several tombs were opened and dead men came out of the tombs and walked into the city. You haven't seen it before. Go and read it for yourself. Bible tells us in Luke chapter 20, 23 that when Jesus died, you know, we all know about the Apostles' Creed, don't we? Uh, if you, if you don't know it, you can't say it off, hand, head, um, off our head, but at least we know what is in there. And one of the things that used to intrigue me when I was a young person, I didn't understand, but now I know, is that the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died, he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven. We just said it you know, without thinking about it, like how some of you sing the national anthem without knowing the words. I saw a, a viral video of the car you saying the pledge, and the way the woman said the pledge, I said, wow. JHS students cannot say the pledge like that. And Kaya, you. Anyway. Jesus Christ died, and he descended into hell. And the Bible says that he took captivity captive. Those who were captive, he took them captive. He liberated them and then gave, gave gifts unto men. Go and read this. Please write all the scriptures and go and read it. I don't have time to talk about all of them. But the Bible tells us that Jesus went down to hell and preached to them. I don't understand. I understand, but I don't understand. Because I don't want to enter into any argument with anybody. But when Jesus descended into hell, you know, there are two compartments of hell. Abraham's bosom, and then we have hell. There are differences in that hell, different chambers in that hell. But Jesus descended into hell and preached to them possibly what he must have preached is this. I am the fulfillment of what you were told in the Old Testament. For those of you who believed, now you see the fulfillment of it. For those of you who didn't believe, now you see the reality of hell. This is the gospel according to Bishu, my understanding of the scriptures. He then took the righteous people and took them with him and ascended with them into heaven. So there's plenty of space left for more unrighteous people who want to come to hell. So the gulf between Abraham's bosom and hell, the hell began to expand. As of today, Abraham's bosom is, is empty because nobody who dies in the New Testament goes to Abraham's bosom. Take time to read the scriptures for yourself. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be old. The Holy Spirit will show you that you will know who you are in Christ. You understand the consequences of rejecting Jesus. And you will hold on to Jesus. 
If you are confused, just keep your questions. When we break the small group and we have other discussions, you can bring them up. Then there's another type of hell called the pit or the abyss or the deep or the bottomless pit. I wish you could read all the scriptures because it's only when you read the scriptures that you can understand it better. But in Luke chapter 8, when Jesus cast out demons out of um, that guy who was possessed by a, a legion of demons, you know, he, 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 he begged that they should not be it should not be cast out into the deep, into the abyss. Demons know there's a place called the abyss, and human beings refuse to believe. The pit or the abyss or the deep or the bottomless pit is the place that God has created for all those demons. I said demons, not fallen angels. And the demons know. Read Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 to 11. It talks more about the bottomless pit. And it talks about an angel who had held them in chains. There's a commander over them called Apollyon. I'm not talking from my head, though. I wish I was reading, but I have only 20 minutes left. Even these 20 minutes, I want to pray also. That's why I'm not reading the scripture. So, so write them then, please. When you go, read, read. Find out for yourself. Now, if these demons are in chains, how do they come out? To be honest, I don't know. I don't have any revelation. But I have understanding from some teachings that I received from a man of God, and I, I, I believe him and I just consider it. I mean, I don't take it hook, liner, and sinker, but it makes sense. In subsequent weeks, when we talk about the characteristics of demons and how demons get into us, maybe we can relate to this better. I don't know. But demons generally may be released when human beings call for them. Uh, me myself, I don't understand this properly, so be careful how you take this. Don't take this as Bible because it's not in the Bible. But we can remain under the protection of the Almighty when we abide under his wings and we remain in the word. That is what is important. Put on the whole armor of God and the, he, Jesus gives us a command to just cut them out. How they came, where they go, is not, you are not too bothered about that. But we know that their home is in the abyss. So you can cast them into the abyss. You can cast them out into the bottomless pit. That you have the authority to do. Don't try to understand where they came from, how they came. It's not important. The command we have received is cast them out. Because the truth is that they are here. They come. Then there's another hell called Tartarus. This is a Greek word. And this is the abode of those fallen angels who slept with the women in Genesis chapter 6. Write the scriptures down when you go. We'll, we'll read them because I know this is a little more controversial, but we'll, we'll read them. Write, make sure you write all these three, three scriptures down. When you go, take time to read them for yourself.
Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast down to them down to hell, and this hell is referring to Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly. Listen, this judgment that Peter is talking about, he's talking about two categories of people. First of all, the angels. The angels who came down and slept with the women. And secondly, he's talking about the unrighteous people who did not believe Noah. They were destroyed by the flood and the angels were put in chain into Tartarus. I hope you get the difference. The judgment was of the angels and also on the unrighteous people who did not believe the message that Noah preached. Noah was saved together with his family, but the others were not saved and the flood destroyed them. Jude chapter 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, they didn't keep their, themselves in the place that God created them in heaven, but left their own abode. He has, after they rebelled against God together with the devil, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. There's coming a great day of judgment. Listen, church. No, I don't think I should go into this. I'll bring more confusion in some people's minds. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For, God, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. The way out of all this for us humans is the death of Jesus Christ on this cross of Calvary, that we might be brought back to God, might be reconciled to him. We might have our sins forgiven, that we might receive the image of God, the nature of God that he gave us from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve. But made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached the spirits in prison. These are scriptures that sometimes create confusion. Jesus went and preached to spirits who were in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. So Peter is saying that those unrighteous people who did not believe what Noah was preaching, when Jesus died, he went to hell and preached to them and reminded them of the things that Noah said and the consequences that were to follow. It was a time that God's long suffering waited for them in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. And the last hell is Gehenna or the lake of fire. The lake of fire was created by God as the final resting place of the devil. 
You know, in this world, we have prisons and we, we have different chambers in the prison. We have the, what they call the condemned cells. People who are condemned to death, they are there. They are isolated uh, prisons. And then there are different, different uh, parts of a prison. Hell is not like that. Hell, there are different places of hell. Like Lashibi, like uh, Islegon, like uh, Bawe. You know, they are, maybe even that is not even right. It's like Earth, and then like Mars, and then like Mercury. They are different places that God has created. This place called Gehenna, or the Lake of Fire, was created by God as a final dwelling place of the devil and his angels and unbelievers who choose to or refuse to believe on Jesus Christ. You will join the devil. You will join his angels. You will hear of Lucifer. You will go and meet him there if you don't hold on to Jesus. Today, nobody is in Gehenna. Nobody is in the lake of fire, not even the devil. As of today, it is empty. But it's been prepared for those who will go there. Some people have already been condemned to go there. The devil and the fallen angels. If you want to join them, it's your choice. If you want to, your friends to join them, don't preach to them about Jesus. And God will hold you accountable. That is the reason why we are alive. To tell other people about Jesus. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then he will say to those who are on the left, Depart from me, you cast into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. On that last day when there's judgment and the sheep are separated from the goats, those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who do not believe on Jesus Christ, those who do not believe, you cast them into the lake of fire. May nobody we know or nobody we come into contact with while we live on this earth find their place there. And that is the reason why we need to be active. We need to be aggressive about compelling them, convincing them, forcing them, doing anything we can to get them out of the life they live in that they believe in Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and they will be tormented day and night forever and forever and forever. In addition to the devil, in addition to the beast, in addition to all those who don't believe and call upon the name of Jesus Christ, they will find themselves in the lake of fire together with the devil. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found, whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Make sure your name remains in the book of life. Get your friends' names in the book of life. Get your relatives' names in the book of life by telling them about Jesus, that they will receive him and have their sins forgiven and receive the Holy Spirit in the life of Christ. 
Isaiah 66 verse 22 describes some of the terrible things about the lake of fire. You cannot even imagine it. For the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another all flesh shall come to worship me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of men who have transgressed against me, for their worms will not die, and their fire is not quenched. There shall be an abhorrence of all flesh. I mean, we have no idea what hell will be like. I, I don't think any of us have seen a human being burning before. Life. Life, not, not film show. You see some before. It's a terrible thing. Even if your finger passes over fire or something and you get bent, even if it's just a matches, you see how it is like. That is nothing compared to this. We are seeing in films people who are being bent by fire. It is a terrible experience. But hell would not be like that. It will be like that and even more. Your body will be burning, yet you don't burn. You go to the pain of the fire burning you, and yet you are not dying. Worms will be eating you, and the worms are not consumed by fire, and yet you are alive. This is not a placement for human beings. God did not design it that way. He designed it for the devil and his fallen angels. Please don't join them. Uncle Nicholas, please come and lead us in a short time of prayer after which we'll take the national anthem. your hands right now and begin to pray clap your hands very like you are trembling as you are clapping you are trembling you are destroying every spirit of fear every devil that has attacked your life that will attack your life your christian life clap your hands like you mean it trample them underfoot as you are clapping it's a sign of victory we trample underfoot every fear of the devil every fear of hell every fear of death as I pray, I declare that the power of God is in my mouth and I destroy every hold of fear, every hold of fear of the devil in my life. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We declare this morning we will not fear in 
the evil clap your hands and pray and say today I receive the power from Jesus and I declare over every fear every Satan every demon that I will not fear and the evil let the fear of evil over my life be broken the fear of evil over my family be destroyed the fear of evil and death over my academics my health and the deception of Satan today as we pray we destroy we destroy we overcome we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we will not fear we will come out victorious in the name of Jesus clap your hands prayer about the Nimataya Rabababakata Amanta Minimiada Ayagadada Badabataya Arebabababa Akapanamantaya Areata Pakuta Amashada Baga Arianana Amakateta Arabababa Amatolobolobo Arebebekapa Amata Piata Arabababa Akabashadaya Rebekapa Amatoliataya Amandiniana Somebody pray it is your life and your family Amatomatiata Ariagadaga deal with any fear of shyness Ariatata Amatoloba the fear of failure Amakiatataya Ariata Pasaya Amandoloboa Amika Bayaba we are being told uh, every day uh, that we are world changers uh, but there is a fear as we pray today we destroy uh, that fear that fear that fear Arakabaya declare to yourself uh, I will fear no evil I will fear no evil because God is with me Young man, pray. Young lady, pray. There is a lot in you that the world must experience. But if there is fear, you will sit upon it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. God bless you.